Coob's house. All right. Y'all ask questions. We've got answers. But man, y'all got a lot of questions about what conference. We're gonna... I thought we figured out what conference we're going to be in. You are locked on Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Cougs, the daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Ainsworth, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater can step by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way you can lay us in the Cougs in your newsfeed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. And welcome back to the YouTube channel. It is good to see you again. Remember, at 1,250 subscribers, because every 250, we're giving something away. Going away one of these hats, the Coog Paw, Locked on Coog, little Nike Drive Fit, all that kind of stuff. So make sure you guys subscribe on YouTube so we get there. And then like and comment on the video to let us know you're in the contest. Um, if after today's or after today's episode you have all your questions answered and you don't know what to say, tell us if you like your pancake or waffle dry or drenched in syrup. Um, those are the only two options. You can't pick in the in-between. I'm looking at you. Yes, the everydayer. The like some will go somewhere in between on my answers. Don't no, pick one. Pick one. All right. So today's episode, we're gonna do a couple things. Um, answering some questions. We sent out a mailbag question request. Um, there are a handful. I'm gonna pick four to answer. Two are a little bit bigger, uh, and then the third segment's gonna have the last two kind of go a little bit shorter. So the first one's gonna be about um, Big Twelve slash Big Ten. It may make more sense in a second. Third one's gonna be about the football program going into the Big Twelve. And then uh, the third and final segment is going to have a quick question on basketball and a quick question on baseball that I don't think will take that long. So they get the segment kind of lumped together. But first, let's talk some about a question from one Juan. Uh, Juan from Houston. Juan asks, people around the college football scene, parentheses, not Houston fans, seem to think U of H is on the list for Big Ten inclusion in the future after U of H gets AAU inclusion. Do you think this could ever happen? Why would they be interested in Houston specifically? Why would or would the SEC try to prevent this move? Again, that's from Juan in Houston. Um, now, first, let's co- you know, cover a couple of things. One, Juan mentions that Houston is aiming to join the AAU. That's the, Amer- the Association of American Universities. Um, it's currently like 62 or 65. I saw both numbers listed. Uh, distinguished Research Universities in America. And President Couture has mentioned that she wants the University of Houston to get into that game academically um, for what it's worth. That is like some of the most uh, invested research universities in America and state of Texas, the three in it currently are Texas A&M, Texas and Rice. Um, so you're looking at those kinds of large academic focus institutions to the degree that Texas and Texas A&M are right. Um, but the idea that you're putting a lot of money into the academic side of things. Uh, the interesting thing about this is, is that a, Houston's what you call an R1 research facility right now. So it's like growing. Um, and for what it's worth, Houston is like under couture, looking to improve the academic program very, very intensely. And frankly, what's kind of a short window. So like that Houston degree may look pretty, pretty strong in the near future. Not that it never didn't, but like it's going to look better, I think, by the time couture is done with the university. Um, I say that to say that I didn't necessarily realize. I just always knew that the Big Ten was a fairly academic focused set of schools. But in looking, it was interesting to see that, you know, look, look at all the schools in the Association of American Universities. And as far as the Big Ten schools go, you're adding USC and UCLA. 
they're both in the AAU. Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, Maryland, Minnesota, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Purdue, and Rutgers are all in this association of American universities, all in this top-end echelon of research institutions. That's basically the whole Big Ten, except for Nebraska. Do we tell Nebraska? Should we tell me? Should we tell Nebraska? Tell me in the comments. Um, but Nebraska is not, and to be fair, Nebraska was, Nebraska was in actually once upon a time, back when Nebraska was a Big 12 school. I had to Google this story. This is an interesting one and maybe worth your own Google. Nebraska was kicked out of the AAU in 2011 um, because their main research was actually happening at many of their satellite campuses around the state of Nebraska. And the AAU decided that's not really the same thing as being a major research institution and took their status away. Now, if Houston were to continue to build towards build, being one of those academic programs, it feels like that'd be kind of the basic baseline criteria of getting into the Big, uh, the Big Ten from the Big 12 one day. This is kind of a question, I guess, because theoretically uh, the Big Ten will be looking to like, you know, ask what schools want to join in 2030. The Big 12 TV deal ends in 2031. You could kind of have some of that talk happening as soon as then, if not at the end of the next TV set of contracts, right? As it currently stands, the Big Ten does not have a foothold in the state of Texas, and Houston would offer that. Further, Houston offers a very specific foothold in the state of Texas because it would be, if the Couture plan goes through, one of those universities, AM, Rice, Texas, and then Houston being the fourth from the state of Texas that's in that AAU. And it's in a major metropolitan area, which seems to be important as you look at the schools that the Big Ten has been adding, right? You currently have, they just added LA by adding USC and UCLA. They added the New York area by adding New Jersey Rutgers, right? Not that long ago. They added the DC area when they added Maryland. That's not a very far drive if you're in the DMV, right? Uh, they already had Chicago with Northwestern. They kind of have Pennsylvania and Philly. They have this like foothold in these major large cities. Um, and Houston is considered the eighth largest market for television in the country. Now, markets because like the Bay Area is one market and DFW is one market. Obviously, it's the fourth biggest city in the country. Um, Houston is that it. And so this idea that Houston kind of checks lots of boxes if they get their academics there is an interesting one. I think the thing that Houston has to also focus on, and frankly, it'd be more of the focus of this podcast, although many would probably argue it's not as important, is the football program needs to also look like a Big Ten football program. Now, that's not necessarily saying they've got to be Ohio State and Michigan every year, although that'd be a lot of a lot of fun. What it does mean, though, is you've got to keep the kids from the Houston area here, keep at least Texas kids coming to Houston, and produce. I mean, you got you got to at least produce like Wisconsin has a good run of the thing every couple years. Um, you know, Iowa plays a boring brand of football and didn't score a whole lot of points last season. Well, on the whole, they'll put out pros. They, they're a decent program. Um, obviously, you've got Michigan State has had up years. Um, Northwestern as an academic institution even has had years they've won their half of the Big Ten. Um, Penn State has put out the Micah Parsons of the world. Like, like these kinds of places all have strong football programs. And so Houston needs to get into the play in that. I think that 12 and two Houston with, you know, fresh and all McCaskill looking like he's going to be an all world guy. Clayton tune and tank. Dell would go both going to be future pros. there on the team. Marcus Jones to be an all rookie kind of guy. Um, he was on that team. Like those kinds of guys 
look like that. Uh, frankly, even having Ed Oliver type recruits look like that, right? Suddenly you're looking at like a program that looks like it actually could step in from a football perspective. We both know that Houston could fit in in a basketball perspective. That's not a question we even have to go down there. I mean, Samson's ready. He, Indiana invited him for a reason, right? Like he'd be ready to go do that. Um, the Big Ten does care a lot about these markets, and I could see why Houston would be appealing for them. And so this hypothetical that Juan is asking about, I think, is intriguing. Um, I will say I could see the reason for the Big Ten to want Houston if Houston can show over the course of this Big 12 contract they're entering into that they can perform at that kind of a level. Like if they, you know, maybe they take some knocks on the chin this first season, but if they can be a true top half of the conference or competitive more often than not Houston football program, I think that it makes sense. Now, would I want it? I think I actually have to say yes. And I'm going to get into the dollars and cents why I have to say yes in a moment, but it pains my heart to have just gotten into the big 12 and me talking about leaving at the next contract. So Juan, that one hurt right in the chest. But, um, so here's the deal is we're looking at just cash just pure dollars and cents here. And if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. And we look at the contracts and the money because the big 10 deal is starting in uh, just this summer. And then the big 12 deal will start after, after Texas and Oklahoma leave next summer for the big 12. Um, the current big 12 deal that they will be entering into next summer School and I'm saying loosely because there could be changes. More schools come in, and this and the other thing. And these, but it looks like you're like looking at 31.6 million dollars per year from TV revenues as a Big 12 school, considerably higher than anything Houston's ever seen before. The same time period of contract for the Big Ten schools, ESPN's reported anywhere between 80 and 100 million dollars per year per school now they have more schools in said conference once they add usc and ucla and are paying three times as much money i i am enthusiastically joining the big 12 i think it'll be great best best basketball conference in america it'll be a great great time it makes a ton of geographic sense but that's Three times the cash. Never mind that part of the reason you want to join the Big 12 was to get some of those old Southwest Conference rivalries going. And some of those Southwest Conference schools, Arkansas, AM, and Texas, are now left to, you, to the SEC. So you don't even get those. Um, you'd be the lone Texas school in said conference. You'd be able to pitch that in a way that other schools and conference couldn't in the state could not in recruiting. And frankly, you'd open up other avenues with all of that cash to, you know, help out recruits with facilities and stuff like that. Um, I think it's a big, big deal. Um, I, if it offered and I could see why it would, I would kind of have a hard time turning that down. Um, and I, you know, if the academic program does get the level that couture mentions, it could, I guess we'll see. Um, I, I think that that would make sense. The holdups there being the consistency of the football program and how quickly does Houston become the academic institution that Couture wants it to become. I say quickly because I think it will. It's just how fast are we talking here? The second question we're going to answer is going to be more about um, Houston and the conference they're about to be in. <laughs> I promise <laughs> the Big 12. But first, let's talk about our buddies at Built Bar. Now, I just got a new deliver of these over the weekend, and I've actually got a new favorite, I think. Don't tell the coconut almond. But if you're looking for a delicious snack and you don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need to get the best tasting protein bar out there. 
built. You got to try this. Um, I'm a person who likes to grab one or two of these on the go because they're healthy and taste great. Trust me, they do taste amazing. Uh, so amazing, you won't think that they're good for you. I just got the uh, cookie dough bite puff. It's got like cookie dough bites on top of a puff. And like every single built bar out there, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Trust me, those things are phenomenal. That's the one I'm going with right now. That's my new favorite. I'm grabbing a couple of those every morning for breakfast. Grab them on the way out the door. Uh, they got amazing, amazing macros. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein in most bars. And now, you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club, or you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate uh, bar, or coconut puff. And if you're close to a Sam's Club and that's more your style, you can grab a 13-bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter, puff, and churro puff. Trust me and thank me later. That cookie dough puff thing. Oh, my Lord. All right, so I mentioned that the second question has to do with Houston in the Big 12. So let's read it. We got from Shaka in Kentucky with U of H making the move to the Big 12. What position group would you say is the most Power 5 ready? Which group has you the most concerned? Uh, again, this is from Shaka in Kentucky. Now, I have to say um, the which one is the most ready was probably the easiest question I got asked. And I felt almost like I was cheating when I said, like, that's one of the ones I want to answer. Because it's got to be the wide receivers. Um, I I, made, I did a whole episode a couple months back at this point about how Houston could quickly turn into wide receiver U with the talent coming from the city and the kids already on campus. Um, but just speaking of purely returners we've seen and had our eyes on, Matthew Golden set their freshman touchdown receiving record last year. Um, he also had two different 100-yard games in his final five games of the season. Um, Matthew Golden will be a pro football player. Mark it now. Go to go to your FanDuel sport, go to books with it. He will be a pro football player when it's all said and done. Um, he is a tremendous, tremendous wide receiver talent. Sam Brown is a similar kind of case where he, uh, you know, he is a kind of a hothead as a resident sophomore last year. He was second on the team in catches. Um, he was a West Virginia product the year before, understand what Big 12 football looks like, and again, was fairly consistent throughout the season even if he had that little spat at the end of the Tulsa game or whatever, right? Um, one guy I think that Keith people kind of forget about one kid is uh, Joseph Manjack. The fourth was a, originally a USC transfer into the university of Houston, um, a tomball kid. So coming back home, right. Um, had that giant catch of sports in a top 10. If you go to like, Google top plays, of the 2022 college football season, he is like in the top 10 on every type of thing for his catch against uh, UTSA to open last season. Um, he's coming back. He missed eight games hurt last season. So I think people kind of forget about him because all the time he spent hurt, um, Joshua Cobbs, a Wyoming transfer, 6'4", 205, and he played in that Wyoming offense. I think people kind of think like, oh, what's he going to do? They didn't look at the stats or so. But like Wyoming doesn't pass the football. Um, you look at what he did there. He had 25 catches and was second on the team in catches. So he's like their second most like guy to go to. And he had 9.8 yards per catch. So those catches turn into big, big plays against 6'4", 205 big big body kid one guy i'm getting a lot of stuff um from some of my people that i talk to about like insider information kind of stuff like what they're seeing at practice or whatever is a kid named stefan johnson oklahoma state transfer um didn't play a lot with oklahoma state so he wanted to transfer to houston but he did have two touchdowns and an 84 yarder against wisconsin uh, the 84 yarder being against wisconsin um very, very high talent and high recruited kid and like houston's a great spot for him to start over against a busy wide receiver room 
but that's not a bad thing. And that's just the guys that were there this spring. I, Mikhail Harrison pilot is the fourth highest ranked recruit in the history of Houston Cougar football. Um, as far as like the modern recruit rankings go. And he's looking like he's going to be a wide receiver. He's listening to AT8. And I guess some places thought about playing him at safety. I think one of the reasons he's coming to Houston is to play on the offensive side. Um, but he's a high, high end prospect Had a great army all American game. I mean, he's, he's the real deal. He is likely a pro as well. Um, I could also see them for what it's worth. Maybe not this season, but at a later date, putting him as a wildcat quarterback type guy. That was one thing temple did with him a lot. Um, obviously he comes to Houston because his, dad and stepmom were both Houston athletes. And so that's part of the reason we got him on campus. Um, not typically the kind of recruit you see coming over to Houston. And I think that that's going to show up when he gets out there and gets those first couple touchdown catches next season. A kid that probably doesn't get the same pub because he's not the same like national level recruit, but was a high end four star from Fort Ben Marshall. It's Jacoby Banks. Um, he's a small scatty guy, you know, five, nine, but has a ton of wiggle to him and like big shoulders. Like I think, you know, it might not be his freshman season, but I think he will be an impact player in his redshirt freshman season or thereafter. So look for his name on the lineups as well. And then with some injuries, I guess I could see him working in. I think he's ready. There's a busy room, right? Just a busy room. So I think that whole room looks ready for the Big 12. Um, one thing I have to say, though, is I think that the underrated room that might be ready as well is actually the quarterback room. And um, I know that people thought it's probably going to say D-line room there because, you know, Sack Ave. But... Both guys come from Power 5 programs. Like Lucas Coley was at Arkansas first, and Donovan Smith was at Texas Tech first, and they transferred to Houston. I guess Coley transferred a little over a year ago, and Smith about three or four months ago. But on the whole, they both have an idea of what Power 5 football looks like. Um, they both, frankly, have different unique talents. They both are big, strong guys that can run and have some wiggle when they get out there run too. So when they get into trouble, I feel like that you know escapability is going to be really, really key. Um, but the, the group I have the most concern about, and I don't feel fair about saying this because I would always say the group I have the most concern about and moving from the American to the big 12 would be the offensive line, but it is the offensive line. Um, now they, I would always have that concern because that's the biggest difference. And you move from division or from a conference to conference in football, you move up into the power five. It's the offensive line. You move from one of the four non sec power fives, the sec, it's going to be the offensive line. Even if you've got a strong offensive line, it comes down to your, the depth of the offensive line. What does your second team guard look like? What does your second team center look like? Right. That that's just kind of how the differentiations are played here. Um, I say that though. And like, truthfully, it was a high ranking pro football focus offensive line. That's in all their analytics and stuff last year uh, in terms of pass blocking. They did change coaches and are looking to do more run blocking next season. Amon Yagavi comes from Tulane, right? So you think about Tajay Spears and what they did there. A little bit different system. That said, like Patrick Paul is a pro at left tackle, 6'7", 315, and we'll be calling his name out this time next season or this time next NFL draft, I guess. Like, what is that next May, next late April? Um, Jack Freeman returns at center. He's a sixth year guy. Um, and it was great for Houston last year and his first year as a full-time starter. Um, I imagine you also see Tyler Johnson, Tank Jenkins, and Ruben Unage um, as the other three starters, but I guess also see Jalen Garth sliding in in some spots. Um, Pancake Hunter's another center, so I don't think he'll start in front of Freeman, but you could see like he apparently per the people that tell me about what's going on, like he, he had a great, time at spring camp and great uh, spring uh yeah spring camp i guess and spring practices i kind of wish we got to see a spring game just to watch his development um but i think that he had a really good set of practices there so does he work in at more of a guard spot maybe who knows right um 
then like Shamar Hobdi Lee is a giant kid they got in from FIU. I don't know what the jump from FIU to uh, Big 12 football will be, but he he played pretty well at FIU. So what's the bounce look like for him? Um, it's always going to be a concern for me because of the dividing line between most conferences and football. Um, the other group quickly that I think has me a little concerned though is because I'm kind of still learning the names and who does what well um, is the DB room. And without a, a spring game to watch, I'm just kind of going on here, uh, here saying word of mouth, but like Adari Halsey was a big time transfer from New Mexico and he's a four pin Marshall kid, but he had 87 tackles as a true freshman last season, in New Mexico, but I haven't laid eyes on him and he's in Cougar uniform. Really? Isaiah Hamilton had a strong, strong spring by everything I've heard. Uh, he was at Texas Southern and channel view kid Houston through and through. Right. But 2022 is kind of his first year starting but he also had five picks. So like, what does that tell us about him in that conference? Because once you have a couple picks, it kind of stop throwing your side of the field, right? Um, Brian George is a Texas A&M transfer and kind of had uneven playing time. Like, played a lot as a younger kid there, but played a little bit less last year. What does that say about him? But Brian George had a fairly significant statistical impact while he was at Texas A&M. So again, these are these are guys and names I'm still learning in the secondary, and and like moving Hassan Hippolyte up in the linebacker line, like that doesn't help me get feel more comfortable about these guys back there. So I almost have some concern about the DB room, just because I'm still figuring out who does what well. Um, if you've got other comments, questions, concerns, or if you got you know think I'm wrong on some t- stuff, tell me down below and tell Shaka what you think as. Well, uh, I said in the third segment, I have two different questions. One about basketball, one about baseball. I want to jump into They're kind of a little bit shorter though. So let's jump on in and talk about, let's do basketball first. So the basketball question comes from Brian in Pearland. Uh, the basketball team has one scholarship left for 2023, 24 season. They still don't have a seven footer. Why would the, why would they go for a forward or wing in the transfer portal? I'm assuming he's talking about over a seven footer. Again, that's Brian in Pearland. And, I I think that's a fair question. You're moving the Big 12. You see Hunter Dickinson go to uh, Kansas, and you see uh, you know Dylan DeSue is coming back to UT Austin and those kinds of things. But honestly, and this is just this analyst and host's opinion, Samson's done a great job and has always done a great job with these undersized high-motor bigs because of the things they ask them to do. It's hard to find that kind of talent in a seven footer. There's not a whole lot of those guys in the world that move like Samson needs them to move, but also seven feet tall. I mean, Josh Carlton was kind of a unique find for the university of Houston. And he, remember he was a Yukon transfer, right? He wasn't an original. And that's not to say that he's any less of a cougar, but as far as like finding kids to fill that role, there aren't that many out there. And like that one started at Yukon, which is kind of a blue blood, right? Especially when you think about like where, Houston was when he was coming out of high school. Um, he wasn't, Houston wasn't, Samson was building it, but it wasn't the kind of program that he was going to come to, right? Uh, He's going to go to a place like UConn, and then Houston turned into a place that he'd come, and then he came, right? And had a great time at Elite 18, right? Um, the Final Four team, though, the year before, had 6'8 Reggie Chaney starting as the big guy, right? I mean, I, Fabian White played a lot of small center type stuff at 6'8 as well. Uh, you think about last year's team, Juwan Roberts, uh, you know, and Javier Francis they never really went true small ball with Jarris there. But the goal there is to get these six, eight, six, nine guys that are 
maybe rangy with long arms to kind of make up for some of it because truthfully that's as important as anything is how high do you is your standing reach because your standing reach helps you defend the rim and then the other half of that equation quickly becomes can you switch on the perimeter how are you in the help side do you get side over for charges can you come defend both sides of the rim on the you know two-step gallop like the kind of intricacies that houston is playing with defensively as a center require guys that are really really athletic and there just aren't that many guys that can do those things and are seven feet tall. So I wish they could find a seven footer to do those things. Um, but truthfully, even like all the things Hunter Dickinson does really well, I don't think he can do the defense. Like Houston would change the way they cover people next season compared to how they've had success doing things the last three, four seasons just to fit Hunter Dickinson. And do you do that for a transfer that you get for a year? right i don't i don't know if you do that or not and clearly again we'll see how they spend that scholarship but it does not look like that's how they're spending it and so i i don't think they're going to and you, we can disagree here but i kind of get it because they've had some success doing what they've been doing speaking of success the last question today comes from katie i can't tell if that's the person's name or the place so when you do these questions and you send them into locoogspod at gmail.com, please tell us your name and location next time. Katie from Katie. We'll say Katie from Katie. Um, her question was that Houston baseball has won every conference series this year. Why aren't they ranked higher than 30th? Even though they beat ECU, ECU is ranked 14th. Now, Katie from Katie, I know that... <laughs> I know I feel bad. Your name's probably not Katie or you're probably not from Katie. And I apologize. Um, but honestly, that's just how bad they were before conference play started. So remember they were 12 and 13. They at one point were like, you know, five and 11 or something like that. Five and, and um, they had a bunch of pitching injuries or dealing with a lot of crap. Um, and frankly, it kind of went under the radar because basketball season was still ending and, Football season was in spring practice, and it just wasn't in the news a whole lot, right? Um, but they were bad until late, until the end of March. And then since that last day of March, when they started conference play against East Carolina, they've gone 19-7, and seven, and they've won 15 of their 20 conference baseball games. Um, they've won every conference series, as you mentioned, Katie, from Katie. And they, you know, they've really seen the bats come to life. Um they haven't necessarily like, needed great pitching, although um, they've gotten some great performances. They're putting up runs left and right. It doesn't matter who they're playing. Um, and since you know that's been happening in conference play, your ranking is going to be largely based on well, who is in your conference. And since East Carolina, they haven't played teams that are like drawing a lot of national eyeballs. And that just kind of means that Houston's flying under the radar as – Houston sports will tend to do um, for what it's worth. Um, I do think that you'll kind of see some eyes get raised in the American Athletic conference tournament, um, especially if the success continues. Frankly, I think most pundits around the country would put the AAC as a one team in the regional league. Um, but if Houston were to beat ECU in conference in the tournament, they might actually put Houston and then put in ECU as at large. So I could see it shifting gears there a little bit. I hope to on my calendar down here have more on this later this week with the baseball specials coming on because honestly, I picked up, 
I, I picked up the season kind of in that like, you know, late March, early April run. Um, and frankly, like I had the games going on my phone as they happen, but I am learning more about college baseball by the day. Um, and so I've got a guy coming on, I think later this week, if not start next week after the regular season's over to talk more about it um, from a Coug perspective for sure. But make sure you subscribe so you can get that episode as soon as it hits. That's right. Subscribe, like, hit the bell for notifications, do all those wonderful things. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Locked on Cougs today. Um, thank you for submitting your questions. If you ever want to submit a question, even when I'm not doing normal mailbag, make sure you go to locougspod at gmail.com. That's L-O-C-O-O-G-S-P-O-D at gmail.com. I'll answer all the questions I can. Thank you all again so much for tuning in today and making us your first listen of the day. I'm going to recommend Locked on College Basketball as your second listen because I just answered that question with the transfer portal, and I know they're covering all the chaos that's happening over there very, very well. So go check out Andy and Isaac there. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Locked on Cougs, the primary Locked on Podcast Network. That means your team every day. Go Cougs.